Hi there, thanks again for joining us. This podcast started as a pilot project earlier this year, but we're now over 30 episodes in and we can safely say that we've heard some truly great stories along the way. So as the year draws to a close, we thought it would be a good time to listen back to some of them. So here are the Red Business Best Bits. Red Business Podcast with CompuBee. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuBee.com It ended up being a really great year for VoxPro, a homegrown Cork success story. The company was subject to a takeover rumoured to be worth €150 million by the Canadian firm TELUS International. VoxPro's founders, Dan and Linda Kiley, are very much still involved in the business. Linda was one of our first guests, and this interview was conducted before the takeover. But she gave us a great insight into how the company had very humble beginnings in Cork. In 1995, um, I decided to remortgage my house and take a punt on the paging company. Dan was already in situ there. We didn't buy the paging company. It was very hard to get the loan because, you know, mobile phones were the new thing. And we better explain to the younger audience what the paging company would have done. Effectively, everybody had a little thing on their pocket that buzzed and either gave them a, a verbal message or a text message. That's right. Yeah. Please call back Jonathan Healy, ASAP. Yeah. You know, happy days when nobody could get you. It was great fun, you know. It was kind of a lifestyle, but paging was dying in Ireland, so we bought the client list. And that was actually like our strategy to convert the people on the paging because it was huge, yeah. absolutely huge. Like every doctor, emergency service, you name it, local plumber, uh, self-employed was on that paging But you, you, you remortgaged your house to buy did, a yes. dying industry. I did. Were you aware it was a dying industry? Well, failure was never an option. Like, we were going to convert the client list to SMS, and as we evolved into tech, I suppose fortune favours the brave. Like, you know, I couldn't afford to go down the tube. So we worked tirelessly, I have to say. Mm, And it was hard going. It was very hard. On more than one occasion, it nearly didn't come off. Ah! Tell us about... (laughs) The ne- not the disasters, but the near disasters, Linda, and how they changed your business outlook. Well, like everybody else, you know, in the last recession, um, we were growing quite happily. And like everybody else, the banks withdrew their credit. And we had 600 people working for us. So you can imagine that. It was great fun. Um, we started with the 200k overdraft and it was removed overnight. Um, while all the people that stung them were out of the country. But um, we kind of managed, cashed everything, pension, everything. The kid's grandmother died and my daughter gave me the cheque. How how much was it weighing on your mind that you had all those employees who were looking for the cheque at the end of the week as well as Linda and Dan trying to keep the business going? You see... When you look out at all these fantastic people, like you just keep smiling and you know it's not one mouth you're feeding. It's their families, the lot, and um, they were more important than us, mm. for sure. You know, you can start restart any time, but you can't 
build something up like that and see it go down the tube, mm. you know, for a bit of credit facility. So you weren't the only ones who, who struggled during no. that time. Obviously, everybody had a, a little bit of it. But at, at, at what point did it turn then that you you started seeing a little bit of light through the dark? I suppose the one thing that is our USP is like, you know, we anticipate the customer's customer needs all the time. That's our USP. So we're always looking down the track. So, you know, we have phenomenal innovation teams and, you know, something else would appear and the client would like it or somebody would hear from us. Reference is huge when you're good at this. And so it went from one to another and people are really, you know, all of a sudden, the Google card was enormous. And you, you had that customer when you were in difficulty. In, yeah, and we yeah. had that customer when we were paging. Yeah. They thought we were phenomenal. You were a very early adapter to Google. Yes. And Google yeah. were an early adapter I, to I, you. You wouldn't actually even, you know, remember. There'd be so many people on the paging, but they thought we were a great provider. Yeah. So you, you started signing up new clients. Yes. And all of a sudden, the company started to grow. Yeah. Were you surprised at how quickly it grew? Unbelievably, because I remember we got a pilot from for six people from Google, and we were saying, "Wow, like this is it. This is just it." And three weeks later, there was thirty, and you know, no credit facility, so you can imagine setting up to thirty people, yeah. computers, the lot. Um, we did it. We did it. Um, I often wonder how, you know. But if you hadn't done it, and again, you mentioned, you said fortune favours the brave, if you hadn't done it. Yeah, yeah, if we hadn't done it, it would be Shinoil, I'd say, you yeah. know. Um, I, I, I always look around when somebody says to me, God, you know, isn't it a great success story, Linda? And I kind of look and say, are they looking at me? Because it's been such a tumultuous drive over the years, that, um, which is wonderful that a lot of the time, Jonathan, you know, you're going so fast that you hardly have time to smell the coffee. When I think of Oxpro, it started out a small company, got bigger. Six people. people. And then all of a sudden, we're hearing you're opening a Dublin office. And then we hear California. And then we hear about other places like Bucharest and and now the Philippines. Are Are you surprised at that pace that you've that because of the product and because of the drive that yourself and Dan have that that you're there I mean do you have to pinch yourself sometimes Dublin was obvious as well yeah like we're a Cork based company and Cork would be the anchor we're maxed out now in Cork as you know there's no place absolutely nowhere for people to live um California was really a huge driver our sales office is there so I can assure you Jonathan like you know when you win a contract from the, the west coast of the US, you've spent a good two to three years building that relationship up. They just don't hand it to you, mm-hmm. you know. So it's all over and back. They come over, you build the relationship, and all good business, I think, comes out of honesty, relationship building, and good customer care and trust, trust, trust.
Linda Kiley of Voxbro there. Of course, Dan and Linda were subsequently honoured by the Cork Chamber for their achievements at the annual dinner event in Dublin. Another Cork man whose meteoric rise has been well documented featured in a more recent podcast. Pat Phelan sold Trustev to TransUnion for some €44 million euro a few years ago. He still travels the world working for TransUnion, but I caught up with him on a trip back home to Cork and asked what advice he'd give to the next generation of entrepreneurs. When you take stock, I mean, I know I'm talking to you in Cork, you're going back to New York tomorrow, God knows where you'll be in a month's time. Your Twitter feed is a constant source of, of entertainment as to, you know, where's Pat going to turn up today? But do you have to pinch yourself occasionally from that guy who started out in that restaurant as to where you are now? And, and you know, when you do pinch yourself, how does it feel? It's pretty insane, you know. I, I drove up here this morning in a pretty new six-series BMW. 17 years ago when I walked up Patrick's Hill to that AA meeting, there was no car. And the first car was a Fiat Uno, where we used to have to put beer mats to stop the windows going down the front. And, you know, that journey has been in an extraordinary short length of time. You know, and without family, without friends, without support, without the team, you'd, you'd, you'd have been gone. But it's like, I pinch myself every day. I, I realise... I realise how, how, you know, people said there's no luck. There's absolute luck. You know, we were, we were everywhere in timing. You know, when Liam Casey bumped into one of the EVPs at, at TransUnion on a flight and mentioned us, and then Liam mentioned us to the founder or the CEO of Radio Shack, and we'd done their fraud, and then we came together to do a project. You know, it, you, you have to have these, these like... They're like people who light a flame in your life, like Liam and like Column Line and, you know, guys who are just creators can actually see, well, if I introduced A to yeah. B, there could be really good things happened and I don't want anything for it. And, you know, they do exist, but I suppose people will spend a lot of time looking for them. The one thing I'm going to say is, is there'll be people listening to this who probably haven't been as lucky. And, you know, there'll be people who will have had dark days in the past, Pat, as you did, yeah. who will have dark days in the future. When you have the dark day, what advice would you give them in terms of their startup and their business? I, I think you have to wait. That's the key part for me, you know. Don't give up before it happens, because there were so many times in, in these 17 years where I just want to go, you know, that's enough now, <laughs> or I've had enough, or I'm in trouble, or, you know, the banker want to repossess the house or, or you know you're just under pressure and there's always a way out and don't don't ever think there isn't there always is you know i i've had this hasn't you know what i mean we're, we're, we're doing the glossy story today there has been you know what i mean i opened a restaurant in the grand parade and lost my butt on it there's that kind of story as well and you know it didn't always go amazing but what did you learn from them what did you take from those mistakes that inevitably happened in everyone's career Never give up. Just keep going. Keep going. There's no good. There's no good. Not opening the doors. There's no good. Not going to work. There's no good sitting at home at the kitchen table crying. Like, I, I've done well out of this. I've made a few quid. I have a great team. I have a great family. I'm very lucky. I, I'll do 100 hours this week, without a doubt. You know what I mean? It's flight to the West Coast tomorrow morning. You know, this is... This is enjoyable, but effort. I, I see the people that are super successful, 
and I see, I see people looking at them with envy, and I see the people who are super successful working so hard. Looking at the other people who aren't working as hard with a bit of envy exactly. as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Is the balance somewhere in the middle? The balance is hard. The balance is really hard. Yeah. Um, and and wh- where does this all end, Pat? I mean, you're still a young man. You're What, what are you, 50... I'm going to open a chain of donut shops in Cork. I heard there's huge <laughs> openings. <laughs> you want to get moving on that quickly, you know. But is there a time when you're going to say, right, that's it. Pat Phelan has done his bit. I'm happy. I can look back. I've made my money. I'm comfortable. I don't need to do 100 hours a week anymore. I don't know. I've tried everything. You know, there's a set of golf clubs in the river down there, Middleton, somewhere. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was after the first outing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That didn't quite take to it. But, I mean, you've lost it all the way. I mean, you, you're, you've, what, lost a couple of stone? Oh, three stone. But I, I, I'm back training. I feel good. Uh, I'm in this kind of... I, I suppose I'm in this personal reinvention piece at the moment. Yeah. You know, trying to get fit, look different, change my life a bit. Midlife crisis? Could be, could be. I didn't buy the Porsche, thanks be to God. <laughs> um, but uh, look, uh, like at the, end, at the end of the day, I'm 52. I've had a brilliant time. Uh, I think there's plenty more to do. I'd love to do something in Cork. I'd love to do something for the city. I, 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 I think, you know, I, I, I look at what DC is doing at Republic of Work. I think it's, it's as much... Um, it's as much for the city as it is entrepreneurial. And I think, you know, I look at the city and I think there could be so much more done. And you kind of, like, I'm really terrible at politics. Um, but I think there could be so much more done. Pat feeling there. The Red Business Podcast with CompuBee Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuBee.com. The Kylies weren't the only married couple we featured in 2017. Will Sliney has been interviewed a lot over the years as a celebrated artist of Spider-Man, no less. But we got a chance to interview him in the company of his wife, singer Laura Jean. I asked the couple the obvious question about how they first met. Um, I met him in the wonderful Crean Lane on a random Tuesday night in the middle of December. And, so um, no, nothing more to it than that. It was just an average night Nothing too much. Gave him a few little smirks and he eventually <laughs> plucked up the courage to come over to me with a big smile on his face. And it was, yeah, from there went happily ever after. You're, you were easily won over. Just a few smirks. <laughs> uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not willing to give any more information. I, I, <laughs> no. I know to it interest. Um, then at what point did you strike up the conversation and, and ask, ah, well, what do you do? Um... I. It was definitely the first night. It was uh, like it's always a weird thing for me when someone asks what I do anyway. But if it's a, you know, if it's a girl that I'm starting to date or something, you, you want to make sure that they they don't think that you're a comic book guy out of The Simpsons or something like that, you know. So you try to make sure that they get that it's a real job before you kind of explain it. Uh, and when you heard Laura Jean, I I draw for comic books. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first? I had no idea. I had no experience in that field and. I'll never forget the first time even calling up to his house and all you see the minute you go in the door is these massive Star Wars posters and everything. And to anyone that knows me, that was as far away from what I would have been interested growing up as you can get. So it took a while, like, but it, it's so interesting. And then when you see him kind of doing it, it's just, 
it's it's so different. It's really cool. Were you afraid that you were after coming across some massive nerd <laughs> who, who was just masquerading yeah, behind a beard? I think my sister was more afraid. <laughs> I think she had a little bit of a doubt as in... Hmm, yeah, no, like, what the hell is this guy? In Fifty Shades of Grey, he's got his dungeon where his mind is like, take a look at my dolls, my toys, and Star Wars figures. <laughs> and is there many Star Wars figures? Do you have a lot of them? Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I have a few. The collection is growing day by day. <laughs> like I have, I like working from home. I have a studio, and I definitely decorate that room with all of the kind of comic book stuff. But I do try and keep it to just one room now. Like you know, I don't want to. I don't want the whole house looking like a comic book shop, you know. That's yeah, only because no. he doesn't want people playing with his toys. <laughs> is, he, is he one of those guys, like, if it's in its original packaging, that's the no, most important thing. No, he's not that bad. He's no. not that bad, no. Will Sliney and Laura Jean there. There were many new businesses that opened for the first time in 2017 as the economy recovered. And there were lots of restaurants, some of which didn't see the year out, but one that did was Rachel's on Washington Street. I spoke to the chef behind the brand, Rachel Allen. Just like having another child, really. Yeah, quite a demanding one, but, but good. More yeah. demanding than your existing children. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what's it been like? Because this is your first restaurant venture. Yes. Uh, is it all that you expected it to be? It's really great. You know, we actually have just been so lucky with the team of people we have here. That's the biggest thing, um, undoubtedly. But so it's been re- it has been, I'll say, fun, hard work and fun. You know, slightly relentless, but fun. <laughs> You'd never done this before. I mean, it's funny that when people think of Rachel Allen, they think of the books, they think of Ballymaloo and all the different things that you've done over the years, but you'd never done a restaurant. I mean, why had you taken so long to get into it? I always said I was never going to open a restaurant. Um, I don't know. You know, it was actually, and um, a couple of opportunities have come up before um, with regards to a restaurant, but... I always just said, no, 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 not interested in this, not interested in this. I was like my husband asked me to come and see this space. Um, what? I suppose nearly a year ago now. And for some reason, I don't know, I must have just been... A weak moment. Kind of having a weak moment on that day. I walked in and I said, oh, wow, I love, I love the space. So it was kind of the space mm. that just got me and something just, I was suddenly just a bit excited yeah, just a very a, weak moment. A very weak moment, but it was a weak moment that worked out well. Now, when the restaurant is full, I mean, how often are you here? Because you're a busy woman. I mean, are you, do you get to call in most weeks? or? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, no, absolutely. I'm actually, I'm filming at the moment, so I'm out of the, countries for a few, out of the country for a few days at a time, every 10 days. Um, but then apart from that, I see Isaac, my husband, so he'll, he'll bring in the fish for the day from Ballycotton, um, or I'll bring something in from the farm. But one of us will come up earlier in the day and be here and then come home and then either one of us are here or both of us or we can kind of make it make it work so this, you know, is, this isn't the idea of Rachel's name goes above the door and Rachel comes in once a year waves at everybody and leaves you're hands on no no it's it's not like that but we do have we, our chefs are fantastic Anne Zager she's our head chef you know Anne heads up the kitchen um, really well so while I'm in earlier in the day I don't get involved in service that night. I'm out front okay. at night if I'm here. So yeah. what is it like to be on that, that sharp end of the customer service? Because people will see you, they get a little starstruck, there's Rachel Allen off the telly, and they're, then they're trying to order their, order their food. I mean, is that awkward for you? Do you find that a little odd? No, I think I'm just always... Um, I just look at everyone's plates, and I'm just thinking... Why haven't they eaten all this steak? Was something wrong with that? Was something wrong with the fish? What's... So I tend to be... You get paranoid. Yes. Yeah. 
Absolutely, I do. I just, you know, I want everyone to have a lovely time. I love it when I'm in here and the atmosphere is great and, and you know, people are really enjoying the food and yeah. the place. So that's, that's really important to me and I really want people to enjoy it. And from a business perspective, because, you know, this is a business at the end of the day, if people don't come in, you don't make money and the restaurant doesn't succeed. Is it busy? I mean, it seems to be quite hard to get a table here a lot of the time. It has been really good and busy, actually. It's been really busy. Um, and, of course, a lot of that is probably curiosity, you know, at the beginning. Um, but we've been having a lot of repeat customers, thank goodness. So I'm very grateful to all of them for coming back. Well, if it didn't happen, <laughs> they, 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 exactly. they wouldn't spread the word. Do you look at the trip advisors or yeah. the restaurants and uh, the restaurant guides? Do you, do you do that or do you avoid? Well, I'd be a fool not to. I'd be a fool, a fool to avoid them completely. Um, I do look at them and I just have to try and... Um, well, I'll, I'll read the comments and if I think they're, they're very fair comments, then, of course, I... I mean, I look, I'll look into, you know, all of them, but, um, you know, some people, um, some people will put up very constructive criticism. Yeah, but and there's I think nasty that's really ones good. out there as well. Oh, and there are nasty ones, absolutely. But I do, you know, absolutely, look, constructive criticism, we all, we all need it, you know, in every form of our life so I think actually when people will say oh I found that took too long or that 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 when then you know then that comes straight back in here and we talk about it now the real acid test of course has Dorina been in and has she sampled yes she came in on the first day as well anyway yeah Yes, and, was, and Mrs. Allen, my grandmother-in-law. Myrtle, Myrtle was in as well. Myrtle so therefore, I mean, of all actually, the critiques that you had to worry about, really you, you were watching the two of them. Did they enjoy? They did. They really, really did. Actually, that was really lovely that they did. My mum, actually on the opening night as well, my mum got the train down from Dublin to come down. So actually, yeah, and we're about to have our um, our cookery school, our Ballymaloo uh, Christmas party. We always have it a few months late because it's always quite busy at Christmas. So we'll be having our Christmas party here as well. So that, in the summer. In the summer. It, it makes sense. Um, now that you have one, Rachel, is there a temptation to do another? Are you mad? <laughs> no, there is absolutely no temptation at the moment. Why am I even saying at the moment? No. <laughs> no, sorry, Jonathan. You're giving yourself some room for manoeuvre there politically. So you're saying definitely not yet? No, I just... Um, I'm still busy teaching at the cookery school at Ballymaloo, and I've just finished writing a book. I, I'm just... I don't want to spread, spread myself any thinner. Yeah. So for now, Rachel's, the one and only, is open. I just can't help but notice the massive pitchfork that's on the wall here. What's that used for? Is that for chasing customers you don't like? Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, I absolutely love this. This is, um, actually, this is my, I think, my favourite part of the restaurant. And um, it's a huge, big pitchfork sculpture that was created, actually, by an artist, an Irish artist, Patrick O'Reilly. And um, it was on exhibition in the golf course at Ballymaloo last summer. And this was when we were just talking about the restaurant, thinking, shall we go for it, shall we, what will we do? And I just saw the pitchfork in the golf course. And I was like my husband, we were, when we were looking at it at the same time, we both just looked at each other and said... Wow, that would be fab to have in the restaurant. Yeah. So we kind of opened the, the restaurant really on the basis of having a pitchfork. It's, it's, it's about here. 12 foot of a pitchfork. It's no, it's um, nearly 30 foot. 30 foot? Yeah. Okay, that shows you my percep that <laughs> perception is lacking a little something. Uh, can I just finish up by asking you? Actually, it's, yeah, sorry, 30. Yeah. You mentioned Myrtle, you yes. mentioned Doreen, yourself. Yes. Your kids must be looking on going, do I have to be a cook? Well, actually, Josh, my son, has been um, working in the kitchen here. Really? Yeah, but now he's gone back to the farm at Ballymaloo. I think um, he was. He was, yeah, maybe missing the farm a bit. So do we have another, and potentially the first male Alan to break into the cookery area? <laughs> I don't know who it'll be. Scarlett. Oh, Scarlett, our daughter, who's eight, um, 
Her teacher said to me just after the restaurant opened, her teacher said, Miss um, Fletcher said, oh, I heard um, what Scarlett was saying about, you know, um, that she's not going to be able to make it to school very much now anymore. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, oh, well, that she's going to be busy working in the restaurant, so she won't be able to come to school very much. At least they didn't get a signed note, so presumably the teacher <laughs> smelt the rat. Yeah, she did, she did. The Red Business Podcast with CompuBee. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuBee.com. Food of a different kind featured in one of the first episodes. In fact, the first episode. Cork was being overrun by donut shops during the summer of 2017. I note that one sadly has since closed, but the shop we featured is still going strong. Jason Woodford of Hucklebury Donuts brought me to the kitchen to try my hand at glazing. So Jason, we're back in the food preparation area now here and you have a plain donut. Something really chocolatey that looks interesting and something in the microwave. What's yes. happening? So what I'm making here now is our very popular Kinder White chocolate. Um, it was actually a mistake. We came across this. So we were we had a Frere Rocher Christmas special. It was massive. It was really, really popular. Um, so we, we stopped that in January. But as the last of the lot were being sold, we overmade and didn't have enough Frere Rocher. So we had tons of our praline glaze on donuts. And I thought, let's throw some white chocolate and some biscuit on it. See how that works, and it turned out to taste exactly like your white chocolate Kinder Buenos. Right. So what I do is I take the plain donut, the plain ring donut. I get my uh, praline glaze, and I literally just like butter. I smear it on it. Right. Now this is a visual. This is literally dripping off this here. Now this is yeah. as as sensual as it gets. You talk Marks and Spencer's ad. This is Absolutely. pretty much up there. What's so it? we have our chocolate melting. Then we have our uh, have our white chocolate melting. So that's softening. So, so you have to melt that. So the white chocolate is now emerging from the microwave. So then we literally just... Drizzle. Make it look amazing. And is it, it's all the visual with donuts, isn't 100%. it? 100%. All visual. So we have crushed up biscuits. We literally just pound it over like that. And that's it. That's your Kinderbrino white chocolate. What does that sell for? Three euro. Every donut's three euro. Every donut. Every donut. Three. Three so euro. there's no confusion over no price. Confusion. Confusion. Everything three is three euro. The proof is in the eating. So hang on a second. I'm, uh, this is this is unusual now Enjoy. to try and describe this. You may have to take over the commentary bit here. <laughs> so massive bite. Mm. That's good. good. Yeah. I'm going to keep eating this. Yeah, Would you just just well, leave me alone with the donut, will you? <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> And they were very tasty as well. There's lots more to those interviews. Each episode is available for download now from redfm.ie or from iTunes. None of this would happen if it wasn't for the hard work of Niamh Hennessy, who helps put this podcast together every week. And big thanks as well to Dermot O'Leary and Stephen Ryan of Red FM, who came up with the idea in the first place of having a podcast that showcased Cork businesses. We still want to hear from you. If you want to feature in 2018, the email address is redbusiness at redfm.ie. You can tweet me directly at Jonathan Healy. We've one more episode to go before the end of the year. It's a panel of Cork's finest looking forward to 2018. But for now, though, happy Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle-belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the half-happiest season of all. With those 
Christmas holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the happiest season of all. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. Oh, the most wonderful time.